Welcome to Chasing Dramas, the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas in both Mandarin and English. This is Karen. And this is Kathy. Today, we will be discussing episode 45 of Hou Gong Zhen Huan Zhuan, or Empresses in the Palace. If you are new to the podcast, please start with the intro to the podcast and intro to the drama episodes. Send us any comments or feedback to chasingdramaspodcast at gmail.com. Episode 45 is what I would call a conclusion of an era. Yes, we had Hua Fei die three episodes earlier, but this is really where all of the secrets are revealed to the main character, Zhen Huan. In the last two episodes, we see the Empress, Huang Hou, as well as Zhen Huan's former friend, An Lingrong's true colors. Both of them have been plotting for forever to destroy Zhen Huan, unbeknownst to her. This episode, though, Jin Huan receives one last revelation about her life in the Imperial Harem that actually does, in a sense, destroy Jin Huan. The last few episodes have been more plot-driven and less on the historical analysis. This episode, there are plenty of poems to discuss as they are relevant to the story. We will also be discussing how the revelation of the Emperor's affections impacted the whole story up till now. In the last episode, Zhen Huan became ill during her confinement. Her loyal maid, Liu Zhu, sacrificed herself to summon a doctor for Zhen Huan. Her sacrifice was worth it, as Zhen Huan found out that she's pregnant. Jin Huan tries her best to stay healthy during her pregnancy, but other people in the palace are plotting against her. Let's pick up from there. I want to prime everyone that things are just going to get worse and worse for Jin Huan this episode. It's just plain depressing. Jin Huan is several months pregnant, but the emperor has not lifted her confinement nor come to see her. Well, he did sneak in a visit while she was sleeping, but she doesn't know that. She is in the garden reminiscing about happier times, specifically when she first met the emperor. The drama at court continues to unfold. The whole case involving the civil servant and poet Qian Mingshi continues to be front and center. In the last episode, the emperor ordered all of his ministers write critiques about Qian Mingshi. But Chen Huan's father, Chen Yuandao, curiously did not write anything. The emperor gave him a few days to write something. Now at court, Chen Huan's father, Chen Yuandao, steps out to declare that he has no intention to do so. His reasoning is that if people cannot freely express their thoughts, the emperor will only hear praises, which is not beneficial to the empire. The emperor, of course, does not want to hear this. How dare someone question his authority? Especially since the civil servant in question, Qian Mingshi, wrote poems praising the now-deceased general, Nian Gengyao, a person who blatantly flaunted his own power. Jin Huan's father, unfortunately, does not realize the dangerous position he is in. The emperor is very suspicious of his motives. Why will Jin Huan's father not acquiesce to this simple request? Are he and Qian Mingshi really in cahoots with each other? You can see that the emperor is getting more and more angry. Two more imperial ministers step out. 
One is Guo Erjia Emin. He is Qi Guoren's father. He has been instrumental in putting Jin Huan's father in this position, sowing the seeds of suspicion in the emperor's mind. Well, Emin declares that Jin Huan's father, Jin Yuandao, is clearly a traitor and should be punished. The other imperial minister who steps out is Long Keduo. He tries to play the intermediary, but I 100% think that he's also trying to destroy Jin Huan's father. He suggests that while Jin Huan's father should be punished, his daughter is pregnant. Perhaps the punishment should be delayed. Emin seizes this line to put the nail in the coffin. He says, what will happen to law and justice if punishment is delayed simply because someone's daughter is pregnant? What kind of message does this send to the rest of the empire? The emperor's eyes darken. He says, all are equal in front of the law. Strip Jin Yuandao of his title and send him to jail. His family is to be confined at home. I personally would disagree that Long Kuo is trying to put Zhen Yuandao in jail. I don't know if he, I, I think he was actually trying to help. I'm not sure what other people think, but that's my impression. Well, following this decree, it is the double ninth festival on the ninth day of the ninth month of the lunar calendar, or in Chinese, it's Chong Yang Jie. It's a day to pray for good fortune, drink chrysanthemum tea, and visit ancestors. It's very focused on family. In her confinement, Chen Huan nonetheless sent some chrysanthemum flowers and wine to the Empress Dowager, Tai Ho. Chen Huan receives a surprise visitor in response to this gift, the Empress Dowager's personal maid, Sun Gu Gu. She comes to thank Chen Huan for the presents on behalf of the Empress Dowager. Chen Huan's fine, but she's missing her family. She then quotes from a poem. The maid tells her not to worry, because it's customary for family of expecting concubines to be able to come visit during the eighth month of the pregnancy, which should be soon. Soon after, the maid takes her leave. Outside, another maid is anxiously waiting. This maid is Fang Ruo, a senior maid who usually helps out with Chen Huan's affairs and is placed in front of the emperor. We find out that Fang Zhuo requested aid from Sun Gu Gu, who works for the Empress Dowager, because Fang Zhuo overheard the news of Jin Huan's father's imprisonment and didn't know how to act around Jin Huan. The two senior maids both agree that it is best not to tell Jin Huan anything, especially at this delicate time. It may impact her pregnancy. But there is a bug in timing here. I'm not sure when Jin Huan's father was imprisoned, but the Double Ninth Festival happens in the fall, and previously the emperor gave Jin Huan's father three days to write the critique. Something we just noticed, we'll leave that there. Now we cut to a scene where the empress and the empress dowager are having a chat. The empress dowager knows full well that the empress Huang Hou is not kind to the children of other concubines in the palace. Tai Ho does her best to warn Huang Ho not to endanger any more of the emperor's children, thereby trying to protect Jin Huan. This conversation is sort of like a part two 
to a conversation these two women have in the last episode. I'm pretty sure they just filmed the two scenes back to back, but then spliced them here. Last time, the Empress Dowager Tai Ho tried to appeal to the Empress Huang Ho by reminding her of their clan's position at court. Remember, the Empress and the Empress Dowager come from the same clan. The Empress needs to maintain her status as Empress. This time, the Empress Dowager is more blunt. Tai Ho, the Empress Dowager, says that it is the duty of Huang Ho to ensure the line of the Emperor. If the Emperor does not have any children, this reflects poorly on the Empress. The Empress Huang Ho says, well, the Emperor has three sons. The Empress Dowager Tai Ho immediately shoots back, saying, um, the previous Emperor, Kangxi, he had 20 plus sons and just as many daughters. The Empress Dowager then punishes the Empress by telling the Empress to go outside and stand in front of Zhong Simen to try to get her to think about what she has done. The Empress Dowager is trying to do two things here. Number one, protect Jin Huan's child. The Emperor is already in his 40s with only three surviving sons. The Empress Dowager needs Jin Huan to birth a son to protect the Emperor's line. And number two, she is warning the Empress that it is time to stop whatever dirty tricks she's been planning. The Empress Dowager knows full well what the Empress has done to other women in the Imperial Harem, and this needs to stop. Okay, I don't think that the Empress Dowager cares one bit about who the Empress kills or whatnot. The Empress Dowager only cares if these women have children. It's all about the children. Remember how uh, blunt the Empress Dowager and the Emperor's conversations were about Huafei? Yeah, no problem about making that woman not have any children. She now needs more grandchildren. Well, does this punishment work? Absolutely not. Otherwise, we wouldn't have so much drama if just reminding the Empress and having her stand outside a door would work. So what is this Zhong Simen? Huang Hou explains this a little bit, and apparently this door also shows up in other dramas like Ru Yi Zhuan. But this door also exists in real life and is in the Forbidden Palace. Zhongsi is a type of cricket that was mentioned in the Book of Poems, or Shijing. It signifies having many children and the good fortune of this large family. That's why this door exists and why the Empress Dowager tells the Empress to go there. She should be thinking about having many children. But it turns out the Empress Huang Hou is very bitter. Her pawn, An Lingrong, the former friend of Jin Huan, comes to visit the Empress. The Empress explains that her own son, the eldest son of the Emperor, died when he was a toddler. How can she bear to have the children of other women survive when her own son perished? This right here is her motivation for killing so many children. She's of the mind that if I couldn't save my own son, how can I let other women have children? An Lingrong follows along and says, right, any child that you don't want to live shouldn't live. What a crazy and bone-chilling thing to say. Like, An Lingrong is totally just saying, I am okay with murder. Murdering unborn children as long as it makes you, the Empress, happy. Which, the Empress, you're also crazy. 
The Empress then points out that Chen Huan is eight months pregnant. It would be a shame to have anything impact her pregnancy, such as finding out about her family's predicament. That terrible information cannot be told to her. How two-faced. An Ling Rong knows exactly what's up. It's not direct, but those are orders. Do the exact opposite and tell Chen Huan that her father is imprisoned. Their goal is to trigger Chen Huan so much that she will have a miscarriage and hopefully will kill both mother and child. Why is the Empress okay with doing this? After all, she was tasked with taking care of Jin Huan's pregnancy, was she not? The whole reason why Jin Huan is able to, uh, I guess, stay pregnant until eight, eight months is because Jin Huan asked the Empress to look over her so that if anything happens to Jin Huan, it is the Empress's fault. That is a sort of protection. It's basically saying that if somebody tries to poison Jin Huan, for example, with food or medicine, then that can probably be traced back to the Empress or it's her responsibility. But rumors about her family or the things that people say about Jin Huan's family, the Empress can't be responsible for everyone's mouths in the Imperial Harem. That's all external and cannot be traced back to the Empress. But the Empress was the one to tell the other concubine, Qi Guiren, and by extension her father, to bring down Jin Huan's father. Huang Ho is masterful in using the court to achieve her ends in the imperial harem. You know the saying that women in the imperial harem are not to interfere with court? Well, this is kind of the opposite. Court is helping interfere with the harem. Of course, Jin Huan gets suspicious after a while because her family hasn't been scheduled to come see her in the palace, despite her pregnancy. Shortly after, a new eunuch comes with some items for Jinhuan and shares the news that Jinhuan's father has been imprisoned and accused by none other than Qi Guren's father. This man, Qi Guren's father, E Min, is a backstabber, because he worked with Jin Huan's father to bring down Nian Geng Yao and Hua Fei back in episodes 40 and 42. After delivering this news, the eunuch scuttles away. Who sent him to share this news? Yeah, it's An Ling Rong. An Ling Rong also tells this eunuch to go to the prison with plague-infested rats so as to infect Jin Huan's father and kill him. An Lingrong really uh, is a piece of work. She does not care about Jin Huan at all. Her methods are also incredibly devious and deadly. Who really can think about uh, rats as anything more than, oh, it sucks if you're infected, right? In my opinion, she is like the most annoying and worst of opponents. I will say Huang Ho, at least she's very subtle. I ling wrong right here, just like, I don't care. You are my sister, I will do whatever. She really has no bottom line um, on what to do or what she's willing to do. Jin Huan is heavily impacted by this news. She confirms this information with her friend, the Imperial Doctor, Wen Shi Chu. We didn't mention this in the last episode, but it was the emperor who insisted on Wen Shi Chu taking care of Jin Huan, which was a good move. 
It seems like he is the only doctor that can be trusted in the palace. As anyone would in this situation, Jin Huan wants to save her family. She asks for an audience with the emperor who finally grants her wish. This is the first time they've seen each other face to face since the wrong robe incidents many months back. The emperor is in his study writing a letter. Jin Huan shows up and explains that her father was set up, that he is innocent. She tries everything to appeal for her family. Unfortunately, the emperor is resolute in his decision. He coldly says that he's made the decision to banish her family to Ningu Ta, a place in the northeast of the empire. Ningu Ta is cold and destitute and is generally where prisoners are exiled to. The place has a horrible reputation for being a really tough place to survive. In many dramas, or basically in the Qing Dynasty especially, it was if you did anything wrong, if you may, if you are a criminal, you could be banished to Ningu Ta. Generally, it is to do hard labor. However, the emperor says that the family will be spared from doing this hard labor and just be made to live there. That's already clemency enough. Yeah, like this was totally a ton of mercy, right? Still sending her family to Ningu Ta. Chen Huan finally voices her displeasure and retorts. Is there really clear-cut evidence for this case? Or are you still sulking about the deceased general Nian Geng Yao and your 10th brother so much so that you have to be suspicious of everyone? Dang, girl, that's bold. This statement completely angers the emperor. He flings the paper on his table at her and yells, Do you know what you are saying? Jin Huan picks up one of these sheets and reads it out loud. It's a letter the emperor was writing while Jin Huan showed up, but this letter was written to his deceased wife, Chun Yuan. After reading this letter, Jin Huan is finally and completely heartbroken. We'll deep dive into this in our analysis section of the podcast. Essentially, she finds out that the man she loves never actually loved her. All of the affections and favor she received these last few years was because she reminded the emperor of his deceased first wife. He never actually loved her. This revelation is shocking to Jin Huan, and she even screams at the emperor that all her years of affections were misplaced. On screen, if you're watching this, this is one of the most heart-wrenching scenes ever. Sun Li, the actress, does an amazing job acting this disbelief and dejection out. Her crying is phenomenal. You really just feel for this character, Jin Huan. Just when things couldn't seem to get any worse, they do. The eunuch, Su Peisheng, enters to deliver the news that Jin Huan's father has fallen ill in jail from the plague. We all know how that happened. Jin Huan is once again stunned. Ugh, she sort of falls to the ground upon hearing the news. The emperor makes a half-hearted turn towards her, but doesn't motion to pick her up. Honestly, I can't. Yeah, he literally, it's just his leg kind of falls, like, sort of there, and he doesn't do anything. Oh my gosh, I can't. She's a pregnant woman, gosh. <laughs> Jin Huan quickly turns to the emperor to beg not for clemency this time, but for medical help for her father. Even at this point, when it's clear that Jin Huan is not doing well, she is still wearing those flower pot bottom shoes, for goodness sake. He says nothing. Come on, man. She is pregnant with your child. Do something. But no, 
he just watches her hobble out of the room. Jin Huan is rushed back to her palace, but she has already fainted in the carriage, and she's bleeding. Jin Huan goes into labor prematurely, and the news travels fast. The empress is excited, hoping for two deaths. Shen Meizhuang is in her own palace, extremely worried. She wants to help Jin Huan, but is quickly stopped by Jing Fei. Jing Fei analyzes the situation for her. The two of them are team Jin Huan, which honestly is quite nice to see, given how poorly Jin Huan has been treated by the Empress and An Lingrong. Jing Fei explains that the Emperor himself needs to know just what Jin Huan went through to deliver the child. If he feels guilty, then there is hope for Jin Huan to regain favor. The most important thing right now is to make sure Jin Huan's father stays alive. If he dies, Jin Huan and her child will forever be branded as descendants of a criminal, which will be a stain on Jin Huan that cannot be washed away. With that, these two ladies hurriedly summon doctors to rush to jail. We get a quick scene of Jin Huan in labor. It does look like that she will pull through. I'm not entirely sure why Jin Huan put so much effort into having the child. Perhaps she wanted this child to be the last thing she does for her love, the emperor. After finding out that he utterly used her and betrayed her, maybe it was like her last gift or her last thing for her um, to commemorate the affections that she had. Well, what's the emperor doing? He's just sitting there, facing a wall, cross-legged, eyes closed. The only glimpse that we have into his thoughts is how quickly he's pushing the beads on his Buddhist bracelet. This is a meditative thing that people do a lot. They hold uh, bead bracelets that they push back and forth. You'll see monks and nuns in temples with these bracelets. The emperor has a jade one he's pushing around as he is very nervous. Contrast his lack of behavior to that of his eunuchs, Su Peisheng. Su Peisheng is pacing all around the room. I find it quite hilarious and quite cute because it's Su Peisheng who's like, don't worry, emperor, don't rush, emperor, everything is going to be all right. You'll be okay. <laughs> Clearly, we see who is the kinder person in this pair. In a change from earlier, the emperor does allow doctors to check in on Jin Huan's father. But thankfully, Shen Meizhuang and Jing Fei were already on, uh, were on the rescue. At this moment, another eunuch comes rushing in to deliver the good news. Jin Huan has delivered a healthy baby, wait for it, girl. The emperor finally opens his eyes, turns around, and says, a princess is also good. He then gets up to finally see Jin Huan. News of the princess travels quickly to the Empress's palace. She, of course, breathes a sigh of relief. It's only a princess. Even if Jin Huan is still alive, it's only a princess. Let's pause there for a second to also say, look at this society where they really do not care about women. This reinforces again that women are nothing but second class in this era. The servants of Jin Huan's palace are also somewhat disappointed that the child is a girl, but they quickly hide their disappointment because, hey, at least both mother and child are alive. 
Jinhuan wicks and takes a brief glance at her daughter. Jingfei is also there to help out. The emperor rushes in to Jinhuan's palace. He takes a quick peek at her daughter or their daughter and sits down at Jinhuan's bedside. You can tell he's extremely pleased. She, however, is completely dejected and refuses to look at him. He has the gall to say, I want everything to go back to how they once were. Jin Huan, however, cannot accept that. She asks, how is it possible to go back to how it was? I'm looking at the scene now and think, wow, Emperor, you have such a huge ego. After everything you've put Jin Huan through, you think everything can just magically snap back to how it was before? Wow, Jin Huan is right to not accept this. I mean, what did Jin Huan just have to go through? She just went through labor to have a child after finding out that she was a replacement and finding out that her father just got the plague in prison. Everything she has received is because she is similar to the deceased Empress Chun Yuan, and she will not accept that. She will not go back to the way things were. Seeing that Jin Huan will not bow down and be that submissive replacement, the emperor says calmly that Jin Huan should not stay in the palace anymore. She should go to a Buddhist temple to uh, calm down. Surprisingly, Jin Huan agrees. There's nothing left for her in the palace, and staying will only cause pain for her daughter. Leaving will be the best way to protect her. With tears streaming down her face, she asks that since she is leaving, she wants to name their daughter. Her nickname will be Wan Wan. Chinese is very uh, interesting because words can sound the same, but have completely different meanings and are completely different characters. So there are many, many homonyms. The one that Jin Huan is proposing to call her daughter sounds exactly the same as Wan the nickname of the deceased first wife, and Jin Huan's own title as a concubine. The emperor thinks that this one is the same one as the nickname of the deceased first wife, but Jin Huan clarifies that it is another character. We will discuss this in our analysis too. Jin Huan just explains that she hopes her daughter will be able to do the things she wasn't able to do for her father. With that, she has one last request. Jin Huan asks that her daughter be given to Jing Fei to raise. Jing Fei has always been kind to Jin Huan, and Jin Huan is ensuring that one, her daughter is in good hands, and that two, Jing Fei has someone to depend on in the palace, as a way to thank her for all she has done for Jin Huan. The emperor agrees and asks if there's anything else Jin Huan wants to say. Jin Huan recites one more poem. This is a pretty harsh poem to recite, and we will explain it too. After hearing what Jin Huan says, the emperor becomes very angered by this. The episode ends with him storming out of the palace. So... We were hoping that this episode would be short on recap and long on the analysis, 
but we couldn't make that happen. So it'll just be long on the analysis and long on the recap. There was a lot to unpack on what happened in this episode, but just as much to explain in the history of uh, the poems that were recited. Everyone had a chance to digest the recap? Well, let's get started on the analysis. The first poem to analyze is the one Jin Huan quotes during the Double Ninth Festival earlier in the episode, just after her father was imprisoned, but she was still unaware. The poem's name is or Reminiscing My Brothers from Shandong on the Ninth Day of the Ninth Month by the Tang Dynasty poet Wang Wei. Wang Wei was a famous poet and painter born in 701 or 699 AD. It's not 100% clear. Again, in the Tang Dynasty. His writings were saved in a collection of poems that includes over 400 works. He wrote this particular poem when he was only 17. The full poem goes like this. The translation is... I'm alone in a foreign place as a visitor. Every time there's a holiday, I miss my friends and family. I know for this holiday, my brothers are hiking, but this year they are missing a person with a dogwood pouch. This is like the best we could translate. It looks like even in the Tang Dynasty for the Double Ninth Festival or Jie, it was customary to go hiking. People do that now. People would bring small pouches of yu or dogwood on their hikes to ward off spirits. I actually think the first two lines fit Jin Huan's feelings a bit more in that scene because she actually only recites the second two lines. When the poet Wang Wei wrote this poem, he was already by himself in the capital city of Chang'an. He's feeling lonely without his family and friends. But overall, I think the sentiments for Jin Huan are the same. She brings up this poem as a way to say that she is missing her family on this holiday where families are supposed to be together, often visiting graves of their deceased loved ones. This holiday is still celebrated in China today. This poem was actually very on the nose because the maid who comes to see her knows what befell Jin Huan's family, so there's no way Jin Huan will be able to see them despite Jin Huan being pregnant and wishing that her family was around. Next, let's talk about the letter Zhen Huan reads when she confronts the emperor. The emperor had just written it, and it is addressed to his deceased first wife, Chun Yuan. Why does Zhen Huan have such a big reaction after reading this poem? Let's find out. The letter goes like this. Ji yu wan wan ai qi, nian bei qu, du yu si liang ku zi shen. Here's my translation. To my beloved wife, Wan Wan, I grieve your departure, as you have left me alone in this world. You still move my soul, and I often search for you in my dreams. I still cannot forget you. 
even though I now have one one, and one one is like you. She only briefly stops my yearnings for you, for I have seen the best clouds in Wushan, and nothing can compare. Let's dissect this. We call the emperor's first wife Chun Yuan, but her nickname was Wan Wan. This Wan sounds exactly like Wan from Jin Huan's title, but the characters are different and have different meanings. Wan for Chun Yuan is an aster tataricus or a purple flower. The Wan for Jin Huan's title can mean a small smile or else the plant's bulrush. Also, the last phrase that translates to "for I've seen the best clouds in Wushan and nothing can compare" means that I have had the best, which means Chun Yuan, and nobody can compare, not even Jin Huan. This letter makes it extremely clear that Jin Huan is nothing but a replacement for Chun Yuan. She only heard rumors about this before. Uh, kind of people are like, "Oh, you look like her," but now this is hard evidence. Of the emperor's inner thoughts, Jin Huan might not have completely understood why the emperor was furious with her before when she accidentally wore the wrong clothes, but now she does. The emperor was not going to allow anyone to touch his precious Chun Yuan's belongings, even Jin Huan. This also shows that everything that Jin Huan has received in terms of affection and favoritism. Was only a result of her being like Chun Yuan. This in itself is such a sad、uh, joke for Jin Huan. The emperor gave Jin Huan the title of Wan way back in episode two when he first laid eyes on her. At this point, Huang Hou asked if the title should be the other Wan to refer to the deceased first wife, but the emperor changed it slightly. From the beginning, Jin Huan was always that replacement. You can actually go back to episode two to take a look. The Empress knows full well what the Emperor was thinking when he made this decision to gift Jin Huan this title. Sure, there might have been some true feelings from the Emperor, but the Emperor always viewed Jin Huan through the lens of his first wife, Chun Yuan. There are many examples throughout the drama that no matter what Jin Huan did. The emperor still favored his first wife.、Uh, one that pops immediately into mind is when both Jin Huan and An Lingrong made pajamas for the emperor. The emperor at first chose the style Jin Huan created, but then he made a curious choice. He said, "I still want to use the ones Chun Yuan made me. Those were the best, as those were the pajamas that she made." This statement. Really stood out to me when I was rewatching the series, because he had perfectly good pajamas in front of him, but he still preferred the ones made by Chun Yuan. Another example is when An Lingrong came back to favor after having been out of favor due to an illness. The Empress trained An Lingrong to sing like Chun Yuan. This immediately captured the Emperor's attention. While they watched An Lingrong sing. The Empress said that Alirong was trained to sound somewhat like Chun Yuan, but not completely. To which the Emperor said that even if it's just a little bit, that's good. This shows 
again, how anything that is even remotely related or close to his beloved Chun Yuan, the emperor will like. The phrase Wan Wan Li Qing, or Wan Wan is like you, is the crux of the issue. The emperor still puts Chen Huan in this box, not seeing Chen Huan for her. This is one hurdle Chen Huan cannot overcome, which is why she is so adamant on leaving the palace. In this situation, the empress ultimately won in terms of removing Chen Huan as a threat. Chen Huan now sees that the emperor never saw her for who she truly was. She has no fight left in her. She does not want to try to gain attention or favor anymore by the emperor. What's the point? There's no emotion there. From the very beginning of the drama, Jin Huan always wanted a, uh, a true love type of love. One where she and her beloved will be on the same page. Even though she knew she was in the palace and that cannot happen, she never expected this, uh, her role as a replacement. Jin Huan will not look back now because she is still, in essence, very proud. The Empress was banking on this. I hope that makes sense. This is probably the most or the key revelation in the entire drama right here. That while Wan Lei Qing, basically this letter shows Jin Huan and us the viewers that the emperor never really loved her. And this brings us on to our next topic of discussion. Let's talk about homonyms. This time, the name that Jin Huan gives to her daughter, Wan Wan. There are just too many ones. <laughs> Chinese language, you're so funny. Jin Huan quotes the phrase, Chang Fa Wan Jun Xin. She says this phrase when she's trying to explain which one she's talking about to name her daughter. And this one looks very different from the other ones we've been talking about in this episode. I'll also translate this phrase, the Chang Fa Wan Jun Xin. It translates to flowing locks to bind my beloved's heart. The phrase is derived, it's not exactly um, coming from a, another Tang Dynasty poet, a female poet at that. Her name is Chao Cai. The full poem goes like this. Nong ji jian yun bin, lang yi fen si fa, ni xiang wu ren chu, Basically translates to, I will cut a strand of my hair. My beloved will also cut a strand of his hair. We will find a private place to bind our hair into a true love's knot. Jin Huan gives her daughter this name of one because she wants her daughter to find that one true love. She even says, what I did not accomplish, I want my daughter to. You can really tell she's absolutely heartbroken and disenchanted with the emperor. She wanted true love, but I don't think she'll get it. And the other really important thing is, again, we mentioned earlier, she is trying to use this. Like she could have used any other word. She is using this as a reminder for how the emperor treated her mother, so Zhen Huan, and also to remind her daughter of Chun Yuan 
by not having the exact same character, but the same sound, no matter what, the emperor will be thoughtful and kind to this daughter because her name is going to be Wen Wen. The homonyms definitely do help. And it does help that Jin Huan is smart in be able, being able to come up with other poems to recite. Yeah, good for her. I mean, if I didn't see the subtitles, I still would know which one it was. <laughs> Finally, let's discuss the lines that Jin Huan says at the very end of the episode. Jin Huan quotes from Jue Bie Shu, or The Parting Letter, from the Han Dynasty female writer Zhuo Wenjun. We talked about her before. Her husband, Sima Xiangru, wrote this famous song, Feng Qiu Huang, when he was trying to woo her. He succeeded. Now, years later, this husband gains fame and fortune, and uh, what does he want to do? He wants to bring a concubine into the household. Classic. <laughs> she literally dropped her own family fortune for you. A story for another drama or another time. <laughs> Zhuo Wenjun, mournful of happier days, writes a scathing poem and letter to her husband. We will focus on the phrases that Jin Huan says because the rest of the poem is actually quite famous too. Jin Huan says this, Zhu xian duan, ming jing chue, zhao lu xi, feng shi xie, bai tou yin, shang li bie, nu li jia can wu nian qie, jin shui shang shang, yu jun cheng jue. This translates to, strings are broken, the marriage is done. My youth is gone, it is time to leave. Remember to eat, and don't think about me, your wife. I swear to the flowing river in front of me to part with you. Essentially, she's saying, we are parting ways, I am leaving you. <laughs> you go, girl. After everything that Jin Huan has been through, to find out all that she has received was fake, it's no wonder she makes this choice. This poem, as we have translated, is pretty harsh. She shuts down the emperor with this final poem. As we said earlier, the emperor is angered after hearing this poem and storms out. He was not expecting her to say something like this. He was fully expecting her to, I guess, like rush back into his open arms when he said, we can go back to everything like or how everything was before. When she says this poem, he was not ready for it. He's kind of like, how dare you throw this back in my face? Again, it's his ego as the emperor. Why do we call this episode the death of Jin Huan? It's because her heart died today. The illusion she was in from everything she had was finally lifted. Let's round out this discussion by saying that in the entire drama, the emperor, I think, is the one who breaks the most hearts and destroys the most lives. He is the big boss in the drama and also the worst character. Some say that he is actually very focused on love as he compares everything to his deceased wife. They say that he's Chang Qing or uh, what it translates to is very sentimental. The direct translation is um, long feeling, which just means that he thinks about his first wife for a very, very long time. But look at how many people he's hurt in his wake. Jin Huan, Shen Meizhuang, Hua Fei, Huang Hou, to name a few. It must be terrible for Huang Hou. 
to have to endure her husband talk so lovingly about her sister while she is never shown the same type of affection. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Well, again, this episode was a lot to handle. That is all for our recap and analysis. Let us know your thoughts. If you have any comments or questions, please, as always, reach out to us at chasingdramaspodcast at gmail.com. We will catch you guys in the next episode. Yes, I know the next uh, couple of episodes is not the most exciting arc, but we will power through it.